Chapter 90 In the true Masonic Code no other god will be found save Mani. He is the god of the Kabbalist Masons, of the ancient Rosicrucians, of the Martinist Masons. All the outrages attributed to the Templars are precisely those attributed before them to the Manichaeans. Abbe Barwell, Mémoire pour servir à l'histoire du Jacobinisme, Hamburg, 1798, 2, Roman 8. The Jesuit strategy became clear to us when we discovered Father Barwell. Between 1797 and 1798, in response to the French Revolution, he writes his Mémoire pour servir à l'histoire du Jacobinisme, a real dime novel that begins, surprise, surprise, with the Templars. After the burning of Molay, they transform themselves into a secret society to destroy monarchy and papacy, and to create a world republic. In the eighteenth century they take over Freemasonry and make it their instrument. In 1763 they create a literary academy consisting of Voltaire, Turgot, Condorcet, Diderot, and d'Alembert, which meets in the house of Baron d'Olbach, and in 1776, plot after plot, they bring about the birth of the Jacobins. But they are mere marionettes, their strings pulled by the real bosses, the Illuminati of Bavaria, regicides by vocation. Junkyard? After having split masonry in two with the help of Ramsay, the Jesuits were putting it together again in order to fight it head-on. Barwell's book had some influence. In fact, in the French National Archives there are at least two reports ordered by Napoleon on the clandestine sects. These reports were drawn up by a certain Charles de Berquem who, in the best tradition of secret police, obtained his information from sources already published. He copied freely, first from the book by the Marquis de Luchet, and then from Barwell's. Reading these horrifying descriptions of the Illuminati, as well as the denunciation of a directorate of unknown superiors capable of ruling the world, Napoleon did not hesitate. He decided to join them. He had his brother Joseph, named Grand Master of the Great Orient, and he himself, according to many sources, made contact with the Masons and became a very high official in their ranks. It is not known, however, in which right, perhaps prudently in all of them. We had no idea what Napoleon knew, but we weren't forgetting that he had spent time in Egypt, and God knows what sages he conversed with in the shadow of the pyramids. Even a child could see that the famous forty centuries there looking down on him were a clear reference to the hermetic tradition. Napoleon must have known something, because in 1806 he convoked an assembly of French Jews. The official reasons were banal. An attempt to reduce usury, to assure himself of the loyalty of the Jewish population, to find new financing. None of which explains why he called that assembly the Grand Sanhedrin, a name suggesting a directorate of superiors more or less unknown. The truth is that the shrewd Corsican had identified the representatives of the Jerusalemite branch and was trying to unite the various scattered Templar groups. It's no accident that in 1808 Maréchal Ney's troops are at Tomar. You see the connection? We're here to see connections. Now Napoleon, about to defeat England, has almost all the European centers in his hand, and through the French Jews he has the Jerusalemites as well. What does he still lack? The Paulicians. Exactly, and we haven't yet decided where they end up, but Napoleon provides us with a clue. He goes to look for them in Russia. Living for centuries in Slavic regions, the Paulicians naturally reorganize under the labels of various Russian mystic groups. One of the most influential advisors of Alexander I is Prince Galitzin, connected with sects of Martinist inspiration. 
And who do we find in Russia, a good ten years before Napoleon, as plenipotentiary of the House of Savoy, tying bonds with the mystic cenacles of St. Petersburg? Demestra. At this point Demestra distrusts any organization of Illuminati. For him, they are no different from the men of the Enlightenment responsible for the bloodbath of the Revolution. During this period, in fact, repeating Barwell almost word for word, he talks of a satanic sect that wants to conquer the world, and probably he has Napoleon in mind. If our great reactionary is aiming then to seduce the Martinist groups, it is because he suspects that they, though drawing their inspiration from the same sources as French and German Neo-Templarism, are the heirs of the one group not yet corrupted by Western thought, the Paulicians. But apparently Demestre's plan does not succeed. In 1815 the Jesuits are expelled from St. Petersburg, and Demestre returns to Turin. All right, Diotalevi said, we found the Paulicians again. Let's get rid of Napoleon, who obviously failed in his purpose. Otherwise, on St. Helena, he could have made his enemies quake by merely snapping his fingers. What happens now among all these people? My head is splitting. At least you still have a head, 